Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio 106.5 FM Louisville. Also streaming online at forwardradio.org. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 348. In this episode, I'm joined by my friends and fellow programmers at Forward Radio, Michael T. and Vincent Gonzalez, hosts of Community Control Now. We're talking about the book, The Counter-Revolution of 1776 by Gerald Horn. This book takes the position and compellingly argues that the American Revolution was really a counter-revolution. Why do I say that? Because a revolution is from the ground up. A revolution is of the people, by the people, and for the people. But when you look into it, the American Revolution was not by and for the average people of the colonies. It was by and for the oligarchs. There was a movement in England to abolish slavery at a time when many powerful colonists wanted to keep their slaves. And the British crown was preventing the colonists from crossing the Appalachian Mountains when many of the colonists wanted to cross the mountains and lay claim to the land at the expense of the indigenous populations. We will begin this episode with a discussion of early Kentucky history. They were trying to say, you see how we're, you know, the state of Kentucky, which was a, a, you know, Virginia territory that I think they was just starting to parcel it out at this time. We, we've had some, you know, this is kind of like they, they, they made no intentions to keep any sort of proclamation held at this time. I mean, it it started way before. So let me, let me summarize a little bit. I want to tell you about my ancestor, my Kentucky ancestors. So you're saying that. The Native Americans and the French had fought against the coloni- the English colonists and the English crown yes, in the French and, and, Indian in French and Indian War. And as part of their understanding, the, what was it? Did you say Dunmore's Proclamation or something? Or anyway, as part okay, of their later. It was the Royal Proclamation uh, okay. of 1763. Okay. The, Royal 1763. Proclamation. the Crown said that yes. no more. So the Crown told the colonists, "Don't go across the mountains." Yes. Yes. Because we are heavily in debt, and we don't want to fight another war. Yes. Mm-hmm. And my ancestors with Daniel Boone did the logical thing, and they went across the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> with a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were land speculators. Speculators, my, yeah. my ancestors were among the first. This is Thomas Hart and Nathaniel Hart were brothers. Oh, Thomas wow. Hart I've heard of Nathaniel Hart before. Yeah. And there's the, his, his son, Nathaniel Hart, there's a... Thomas Hart had a brother named Nathaniel Hart and a son named Nathaniel Hart. Hart County is that? Yeah, Hart County is named after the son. Oh, oh wow. Nathaniel yeah. Calloway Hart, who was Henry Clay's brother-in-law. Wow. He was killed in the War of 1812. Oh, wow. Which I never quite understood. You know, he was only about 30. Anyway. Man, but, but Your roots grow so, deep in Kentucky, so, man. So my uh, ancestors were... Land speculator among the first 200 white settlers in uh-huh. Kentucky, they came across as part of the Transylvania Land Company. They, the Boone and the Hearts were from North Carolina, and there was a, a big money guy named Richard Henderson in mm-hmm. North Carolina who provided the money for the Transylvania Land Company, paid Boone to be a scout, but they mm-hmm. were business partners. And they laid claim to land that was most of Kentucky and part of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. It was bounded by the Ohio River, the Green River, and the Cumberland River. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was called the Transylvania Land Company. Mm -hmm. They felt like they had a claim to it because they had 
had a powwow with Cherokees who had then retreated to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Cherokees said, yeah, you can have whatever we have, but you know, it was like a quit claim. It was like, you can have whatever we have. We don't claim to own it. But exactly. so that it was based on that. That was the confusion. That the Transylvania Land Company said, we own this. Yes. You know, and they wanted nothing that they had were heavily like they had something at stake. They had skin in the game. They mm-hmm. wanted to be free from Britain. They wanted to be out from under that thing that said they couldn't move or own land west of the mountains. Mm-hmm. But what that again. What made that so undemocratic and imperialistic, as uh, Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz says, that's really where imperialism started. If you look at imperialism as the domination of nations, that, and you look at the indigenous people as nations, the first imperialist adventures were against those nations. But again, the colonists had no intention of not going westward. Washington was a speculator. You know, he had been a speculator for the British. And he had land in the Ohio country. Yes. What, what would be the the best modern-day equivalent term? I don't know if mercenary is the best way to cut I these do, guys. Yeah. But, I mean, they, you know, they, you're, you're a, 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 a big, deep pocket is paying you something that, to do something that they would never have the guff to do for themselves and go into these, to them, uncharted territories I, rem- I was at the Indigenous Museum in D.C. a couple of months ago and just reading some of the displays, there was some hollow attempt at trading in good faith. Mm-hmm. I think they would send some sort of like, you know, trinkets or, mm-hmm. you know, very sort of uh, mm-hmm. it, w- it was a nominal thing. But even beyond some sort of uh, attempt at decree, they didn't even keep those hollow trades to be held you know that capital accumulation the the main part the yesterday's dollar means nothing for the land you can uh, mm-hmm. you know parcel today you know land capital and labor mm-hmm. so it's kind of like we got these sort of like you know everybody's kind of like gripping at their reins here mm-hmm. trying to get something and you know we see that in an american dream how you know if you could just cut the next man off you know, mm-hmm. regardless, and they were white supremacists. Yeah. So it's like this perfect yeah. stew is kind of brewing, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then lays into what you know. You say your family was, um, and, and throughout the history, I'm pretty sure that that was like well documented. There, so th- this was unabashed land grab, and that's kind of where we're standing. In Kentucky is good for Kentuckians to know this because I think we were one of post uh, the the colonists gaining uh, their power. Uh, after the Revolutionary War, counter-revolutionary, let's call it what it is. Yeah. Um, I think Kentucky was one of the first states enacted that because that's kind of like spoils of war, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is the first state. West, I believe so uh, because it's the fifteenth state. The fourteenth yes. was one in the one of them in the Northeast, Vermont or New Hampshire, okay. or something mm-hmm. that was split off from another state. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, Kentucky is the first state west of the uh-huh. Appalachians. And, and another thing that Horn makes note of, you know, further proof that it was a counter-revolution because after the quote-unquote defeat of England. Now, there's some speculation that England could have defeated the colonies, but they, at some point they th- thought it was a waste to continue to prosecute the war. Plus, they had a big cotton colony in India, so they just redirected their efforts to their other colonies as they were the major imperialist power at that time. But Horne points out part of the you know, pr- 
proof of what their intentions were was after they established the state, Horn says, that they not only doubled down on the land theft, right? Now they didn't have England and the crown to stop them. And they doubled From down sea on shining slavery. sea, baby. Yo. And they doubled down on slavery. So if it was a real revolution. It's our manifest destiny. Yeah. And you're talking about freedom. One of the first things, the most glaring things you would have done, okay, well, you know, since some African-Americans, not most, fought with the, uh, the, the, the colonists, they would have said, okay, you're all free. But they doubled down on slavery. They doubled down on taking the, 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 the indigenous lands. Look at the laws they passed. The first naturalization law said that this was a country of white citizens of good character, you know, had money. Anglo-Saxons, so persons yes. who can trace their lineage. Yes, yes. even though England, many yeah. African-Americans had been born, lived here, indigenous people, uh, the first uh, exclusion act was excluding the Chinese. So they made it clear they had no place here, you know. So, you know, it was a white nationalist project. And I know that's kind of harsh for a lot of people to take because, you know, it was never explained like that. But objectively, as Horn and many other scholars are pointing out now, that was their primary contention. Now, to show now you that Michael, you're asking Americans <laughs> to be objective. Yeah. I don't know about that. But because in the sense they knew they were wrong, so they had to cover it in a veneer of democracy. Yo, you want to talk about the big lie? Yeah. I mean, if you, you start with that, I mean, how do you, going back to that, if, if the foundation that you built your edifice on mm-hmm. is shaky as hell, I mean, where do we go from there? You're just, like you said, you're going to double down, you're going to accumulate. You're gonna do things, and, and almost it'll 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 drive you to some sort of thing. Well, you, what do you mean? I'm the bad? I'm not the yeah. I'm the good guy in this thing. You know what I mean? Then you'll just tell I me mean, we can five blocks north of the studio we're in right now. You see, just monuments. I, I was reading this uh, plaque for some of the first uh, wars of uh, you know the official signing off as a nation, and they put it as. Uh, they said the U.S. campaigns uh, against Indian territory. It's a plaque with a bunch of names. It's like the first Kentuckians who were killed in this thing. And, and it just mm. sails right. over your head right. like right. a Hail Mary. Right. Like that doesn't even like right. begin to describe. You, you have to, what you're saying is you have to be white to be a real Kentuckian. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, you know, what's the, I, I used to work at the, uh, it used to be a courthouse down on Dixie. Southwest Government Center. I mean, one of the biggest public murals I've ever seen. It's uh, guys in tri-corner hats. It's a mural pointing out, shaking hands with the frontiersmen, just like our Kentucky state flag. You know, the statesmen and the frontiersmen working together in sync. You know, we're, we're, we're united for a purpose and, and cause. Never telling you... The chief owners of that purpose and cause was to encroach upon indigenous persons' land, and 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 they wasn't doing it nicely. Yeah. It was, you know, the the decree was kill anybody who went against your orders. Yeah, all to expand white sl- supremacy, ex- expand slavery. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah, and think about you know in terms of this democratic project. You know, at the inception of the country, women, all women, white or otherwise 
had no political rights. They were treated like minors. Their classification was as children. They had no more rights than any child. That's had. half the world. In any, <laughs> yeah, in any given, yeah, literally, you know, at any given time, half of the people will be, you know, film. Yeah, and uh, that was a conscious you know, effort to, to, women, yeah. to hold that off. And it shows you how thorough the brainwashing has been because even many women uphold the false narrative. Not realizing, and it's clearly documented, it's no secret, that they had no rights until the 1920s. Mm -hmm. Right. The right to vote, but even, you know, the right to own property and land, and that's that's even sooner. Yeah, They were like slaves of their their, their husbands. You know, so when you take all of those populations in consideration, how could you call this democratic? It was a sham democracy, which, for me, going beyond Horn, uh, raises the question of, well, we talked about it earlier, the whole legitimacy of the nation state. And when many of us talk about revolution and transformation, that's what we mean. So the French and Indian War occurs about roughly 10 years before the counter-revolution of uh, 1776. So, you know, indigenous nations were fighting against the British crown. When this counter-revolution breaks out, Mm -hmm. who did most indigenous tribes side with? That's a very good question, because it leads into a number of other things. Well, given how savvy a lot of these indigenous uh, nations were, they figured out, they said, okay, now all these colonists are pretty much vying to take our land, but they had to kind of weigh it. Who was our worst enemy right now? And most of the indigenous, is another thing they don't tell you, supported the British. They felt, they made a calculation that... um, we, it's the slave owners and these people who are taking our lands yeah. now, not in Britain, who are our immediate enemies. So they fought with the British. Many, and or I would even say most, African Americans took the same position. Now, there were many African Americans who mm-hmm. thought, you know, we'll throw our lot in with the colonists, you know, because they were promising, well, if you fight for us, we'll set you free. You know, it's you like know? going down to the, to the track window. You got to play, you place your bets on a few ponies yeah. to see where, you know, what, what some of these ideas could be held. But I, that was so telling for me. Like, you just got out of a, a conflict with, with the crown. Yeah. And you was like, okay, you, these guys mean no well, but these guys over here, yeah. those kind of revolutionary types, man. Yeah. They're, they're, and, and, and as we can see, history has taught us that was true. They, they were it was telling for them to say that and for most african americans you know i mean we know that the british set the whole slavery and colonization project in motion mm-hmm. but many enslaved people saw you know they saw that but their immediate yeah. slave master was not king george it was george washington these plantation and- owners that's who we got to fight primarily and the british were slick enough to even encourage them to resist. And you were talking about Dunmore. He went and right on the eve of the fight with the British, Dunmore, who was uh, he was a governor, I think, in North Carolina. Yes. I believe, yeah, he put out a thing 
they're saying that all you slaves rise up against your masters, <laughs> right? Which was right in with their strategy, you know, help us defeat these people. I mean, I cite in my paper on white nationalism how uh, Samuel Johnson, who was a leading playwright in uh, England, you know, and he had a lot of political influence, he made a famous statement that uh, I think you quote, you know, why is it that the, the loudest yelps for liberty come from the drivers of the Negro. Yes. The mm -hmm. loudest yelps yes. for liberty. How can they be genuine? The leading people talking about breaking with the crown because they're under so much tyranny were the very same ones who were, uh, you know, oppressing everybody else yeah. in the colonies, they, especially the slaves and the indigenous They didn't people. want no chicken in every pot. Man. No. They, yeah, they just no. full populism, trying to play it off like... Hey man, what what they you know it's a it's a business deal. You gotta kind of cut your losses, like you know Trump filing for bankruptcy three times. Man, we'll just kind of yeah. we'll, we'll throw our net, we'll throw this strategy in the lot, see what see materializes. And I think it's to say like this was a force to be reckoned with that the world stage had yet to see. And this is like in and it's just telling in the ways that chattel slavery was held. In this country, you know, do the epilogue. Okay, you know, we know those uh, those okay. jokers won. So, what what is the narrative that we hear about 1776 about the existence of slavery in the first 80 years of the so-called republic? Mm -hmm. uh, the narrative that we hear is, well, they had to compromise with each other. Mm -hmm. The non-slaveholders had to compromise with the slaveholders, and it wasn't perfect, and it took a while. It was an experiment. Mm -hmm. You know, you break a couple of eggs when you're making an omelet. Yeah. You know, then then the human bondage is just kind of like, you know, one of those things that you have to sort of work the kinks out of. And because, I mean, as the passage of time occurs, it becomes less and less uh, easier to justify. Mm -hmm. All the exploitation, all the bodies that you... Uh, you know, decimated all the land that you stole. Yeah. Like it's it's clear and present and the here. The magnitude of the fraud. Now, if it was just you know imperfection and otherwise it was okay, but many of us from the left contend, you know, being dialectical materialists, that if we look at the material circumstances, right, what was their aim? Take the land and expand slavery. That was the fundamental driving force of the colonists. This is how I put it. Like, how do you, okay, 1776, by the early of 20th century, you're a world superpower. How, how do you gain so much ground in such little time? Mm. You have to have theft and yes. slavery. Hey, bingo. That's how you, you know what I mean? And, and they were able to, they, they, they had cooked up some, um, you know, hey, forget about 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> they understood that secret recipe. Yeah. Hey, the Brits, the Brits ain't really, they're not holding it as hard as they could be. Mm. If we, if we enslave pers African persons in perpetuity and, you know, and they're, and they're, they're chained to the land, they're not from here. They don't know where to escape and we and we keep encroaching upon that we got the land we got the capital we can and and the whole world was in on it in the sense that we can we got the cotton ship it over mm -hmm. to england 
that'll you know turn out the textile mills and so we've seen an inner surge with uh yeah. the early industrial revolution here exactly. and that's like this is this is a story among among many stories it's a story about capitalism yeah yeah, yeah. okay so i that i've been Trying to get a word in edgewise, not not really. I mean, yeah, but I'm no. Waiting. You have the, no. Been, you gotta been, really. You gotta been, cut it in. I've been yeah. waiting for an opportune time oh, no, to the, say the, this. You gotta you gotta find and that it. That is, we're talking about a time period when the great fortunes of the so-called West mm-hmm. were were acquired. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, France, for example, mm. had Haiti, yes. and most of the France. Noam Chomsky says that the 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 key acquisition of wealth in France can be traced to when they owned Haiti mm-hmm. and when they grew sugar and tobacco and that kind of thing. Very Major fortunes. Colony. In the United States, little known fact, I've been listening to a, a, a Ben Norton and Adam Good. Adam yeah, Good. Yeah, so uh, you <clears throat> need to listen to his uh, his conversa- ongoing conversation about American exception mm-hmm. by Adam Good. Mm-hmm. And Adam points out that along the same time period, like the early 1800s, you have the, the uh, opium wars. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just the British. No. Uh, no. Like Yale, according to Adam Good, mm-hmm. the Yale was founded on a fortune that was made in, in the sale of drugs, sale of opium. Mm, so never knew that. so wow. dr- the drug trade mm. was refor- responsible for many of the early American fortunes. So drugs, slavery, and land acquisition, mm-hmm. and slaughter and genocide. This is where American wealth came from. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. <laughs> I'm really yeah. sorry if that hurts yeah. your feelings. Hurts and even though yeah. I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry if it hurts your feelings yeah. because this has a ripple effect. And yeah. in my humble opinion, everybody suffers from this. Yeah. Not just the poorest, yeah. not just the poor in the middle. Yeah. Everybody suffers from the, the problems ra- we have today are a result of what happened then. Suppose, I mean, imagine if it had been a real revolution and they had stopped the colonial project and had abolished slavery at that time, where could we be now? But since they didn't do that, things got exacerbated, intensified, and we're suffering, you know, some of the, you know, feedback and the fallout from all of that. And for many of us, that's why we need to have a real revolution. Stop glorifying that fraud and have a real revolution. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they did anything, and there's, there's another part, and it, you keep going back to it, because it, it starts so young for, especially in Kentucky, you know, how how they cut this this deal, how they, how they teach what they did to get to where they are well, now. Yeah, and the teachers... Have been taught the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. The teachers, they on, they honestly it. think, you know, yeah. one of the best, one of the most enlightening books is um, the lies my teacher told me. Yeah, about I, I, I recall that one. That was and, an early one for me. Yeah, for example, uh, early on, the very first chapter, he says, "We're taught that in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> that is one person who who could possibly lay claim to being among the first here. Uh, there are maybe 13 different." Uh, peoples that could possibly have been the first oh. here, in addition to the ones yeah, before who, him. Yeah, and we're not even sure that they came across in the, on the Bering Strait. We're not even sure of that. Yeah. Uh, and he said, "Wouldn't it be great?" So we're taught. He he, he points out that teacher uh, history is 
boring. <laughs> People think history is boring because they're taught this. They're 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 force fed a certain version. Yeah. Of history. We call it the great man theorem of history. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, these great white men came in valiantly, and they meant well. They just needed a little elbow room, and I mean, you. you yeah, and the the uh, uh, Louisiana Purchase was an. He, uh, Jefferson called it like a land with no people. They're like, there's no people yeah. in the Louisiana Purchase. That was just more theft where they took. And, and, and you know, and when I read about that recently, he, when he sent Lewis and Clark out to, to uh, after they had gotten this land from the French without consulting with the indigenous people on it, he, he gave them, he gave Clark and Lewis a note to the colonial get, powers are wheeling and dealing, yeah, baby. He told he, he he sent a few little bribes, trinkets, horses to get to him, and a paper saying this land is now no longer no longer under the jurisdiction of the French, but the United States of America. I mean, no, you know, as before, no negotiations with the indigenous people. What they had to say didn't matter. I mean, no sitting down, negotiating. Look, you're not even anybody worth negotiating with. This is just between us and the French, and the French have turned it over to us. Napoleon had to sell it because of his defeats in Haiti. And so U.S. Jefferson took advantage of their weakness. They wanted that land, and the, the, the slave owners that he was and represented wanted that land anyway. So yeah. that was their golden opportunity to get it for steel. It started here, eight, <laughs> eight blocks north of here was the start of hmm. that imperialist expansion, and it's celebrated amongst. You're talking about yeah. the Lewis and Clark expedition. The Lewis expedition. and Clark expedition, well, you know, started on the banks of. Yeah, and, and it's never really cut like that. So I've been, there's a few things that I do with my, you know, in my analysis of these things. One, I, I include, as I'm a, I'm a world citizen, mm -hmm. I include all of the Americas mm -hmm. into, like, those. when we talk about those lies, I try not to, um, you know, obscure it in any way. And it's like, man, this was a white supremacist project, mm -hmm. unbeknownst to any... A part of the world as we've seen it, yeah. and we still and to stand. the degree it has gone beyond that whiteness, it has not been based on the benevolence of the rulers. It's been based on all of the people excluded, fighting for reform. That's Howard Zinn, right? That, and, that's Howard yes, Zinn's prevailing theme, and demanding inclusion and some control and some power, yeah. which we have yet to fully well, get. In the interest of time, we will have to leave our discussion there, but why are we talking about early American history on the climate report? It's because solving the problem of climate change is not simple, it's not easy, and just like in 1776, there are so many commercial interests and powerful people that pretend to be trying to bring us a revolution when it's really just more of the same. The climate movement today has been captured by people who don't even know that they're serving the oligarchs. The oligarchs come along and say, hey, we'll help you solve climate change. We've got all these solar panels. We've got all these wind turbines, which are industrial, energy-intensive products, which cause ecological damage and devastation and destroy wildlife habitat. And when you start to look into it, 
you start to realize that the more things change, the more they stay the same. We're only going to understand how to reduce atmospheric carbon and how to cool the climate when we start to learn what's really actually going on scientifically, socially, and politically. That's all the time we have. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day.